Uh, hey everyone, welcome to another sort of bonus episode of Snideful Inside the Writer's Room. In the last episode, episode 100, we sort of went off the rails with an idea where we were just going to sum up our timeline and we started explaining all of the backstory and context for the timeline. And we're going to try not to do this in this episode, we're just going to try to get through the last portion of our timeline so that you're not sitting here for two hours listening to us drag on. That is our mission. Will we accomplish it? Find out in this episode. <laughs> at the end of the last one we had uh we had uh detailed that the noisemaker might have been a representation of tucker and todd having influence on the world by writing him into the world uh but we have since kind of started to head in a new direction with what we thought the noisemaker even was so that character is actually potentially the old undertaker who opens tnt's eyes to their power and that leads us into the introduction in the next season of anderson Coopist. Yeah, this was our way to reconcile a reboot of Paperboy and his saga. Because Paperboy was never a newsman. He was just sort of an idea. I don't know if he ever even delivered papers. He just looked like a Paperboy. Yeah, he was just a cutout piece of paper. And we uh, part of the process of us scrapping the whole cutout paper thing was that they would all just kind of glom onto him and make a monster. Uh, but we were also introducing the idea of having like news shows that uh, Tucker and Todd interacted with at various levels. And so we needed a uh, a newsman with some integrity. And that became Anderson Coopist. And and the best thing to do with any character who has integrity is to ruin them. And then that's exactly what we went ahead and did. Yeah. The rest of that season is genuinely just retreading old ground that we established in like season one and season two. Yeah. Um, we, we, it's generally a reboot. The studio gets sabotaged, uh, straight to detective and the boys go on vacation that leads them to anti-imperialism's fun farm. Uh, that I don't believe originally had Jersey cow in it, but I've written it, it that. did not. That was our, that was our expansion. Every single thing that we've rebooted, we've expanded, we've cleaned up, we've given it a bit more of a unified vision and we've kind of laced it into the overall plot. Not yeah. necessarily of the season, but just of like the show's meta plot. So characters have whole context of like families and past lives rather than just being kind of like one off archetypes. Yes. Uh, we revisit the space elevator and go head up to the space station. Once again, Craig takes a job at Fantasology, which we rescue him from, I am assuming. Yeah, uh, kicking and screaming. Yeah, and because he was kicking and screaming so hard, he uh, got downloaded into a USB. That's why he overloaded or something like that. And that's where we did our, our Wizard of Oz into the OS. Yeah, no matter what, we're ruining things for Craig. We're either abducting him or we're getting him fired or we're trying to get him an update and then somehow simultaneously breaking the like electronic infrastructure of an entire facility. Whoopsie doodle. And the stress of that just kind of like forced him into a shutdown state. Uh, in our in our first season, I don't even know if it maybe even made it into the first season. I think it did. I don't know. Maybe rewritten. Uh, we had a concept for the best man. Uh, oh, it was a line, I think. You bested my <laughs> yeah. best man. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the biggest laughs we've ever had. Was that for Craig? Or maybe it was Columbo was supposed to be sort of a villainy guy. It was. I don't I don't think it was Columbo. Originally, it, that was something Craig was supposed to say to us. When, when we like first encountered him, yeah. yeah, and and he was supposed to say, you bested my best man, because we were trying to find a suitable first line for him. And and, we, and we, I, we immediately, I immediately slapped that out of the air like it was a, a bad volleyball serve. <laughs> and and that was, I think, the biggest laugh I've ever gotten out of you. <laughs> that turned it into a joke. <laughs> yeah. Well, we won't be doing that. And then what, we, it was like, whatever the better yeah. option of that is. <laughs> we got to do something and it won't be that and then yeah best man became he, yeah, he expanded sort of ins into uh, uh upon himself <laughs> yeah it almost became a santa concept where the the best man is not just a guy at a wedding he's now almost like a, a universal constant where if you kill he him is. you become him 
a mythical society. And so I've written in here, he's a member of the sidekick society, which I assume was sort of like, like there was a council of, I feel like in one of the, the Santa Claus movies, like they're talking to the tooth fairy and the Easter bunny. There's like a council and father time is there and shit like that. So I think father the side- time is a sidekick. No, this is in, 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 in the Santa Claus, the main mythical. Oh, I creatures thought, I are thought like, you were saying that that was a sidekick society. No, best man is part of a sidekick society, which is like okay. a lower version of what I was just describing. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Cause I'm like father time should be close to the top of the totem pole. Time is a big deal. Yeah, and I think in that movie, because I think that might be the Santa Claus 3 <laughs> that I'm thinking of. <laughs> well, yeah, that'll be about when they start running out of, like, Santa-centric stuff, and then they need expanded <laughs> like universe stuff. Ex- yeah, exactly. I think Father Time was sort of, like, the boss of them all. He was, like, the emperor of the mystics. Oh, he was, like, uh, what's his name? He was, like, uh, what's what's his name from Keith Richards in... Is that Pirate oh, 3 that he yeah. shows up? <laughs> yes. Yes, he shows up... Uh, I don't remember if he had an appearance in four as well. I'm pretty sure he did. So is that a rule that we're now applying? Is that by the third uh, prong of anything that it jumps the gun <laughs> or jumps yeah, the shark or whatever? It jumps the shark and it starts delving into expanded universe. Takes, In fact, that's what happens in Reductio Ad Absurdia. Everything gets taken to its logical conclusion by the third film. That is that's sort of funny to me. Maybe this is a premise we can explore is the concept that the the long running concept that I assume only comes from television. I don't know. But that the third date is the fuck date. The third. episode. The third episode is the expand episode. I kind of want to play with that. I want to. Yeah, it makes sense to me because like Terminator three, they're like, well, we had the Terminator and then we had the liquid metal Terminator. What if we had both? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and one guy. Oh, but what if it wasn't a guy? What if it was a killer lady? Make her hot. <laughs> then I they'll mean, watch it. Yeah. yeah, that was it. That was there. That was there's a reason there wasn't a Terminator Four for a That's long time. So <laughs> Do you have a bad idea? Dress it up with some tits. Yeah, <laughs> it'll make millions. Like Terminator Two was a perfect ending. <laughs> they closed it all up. Yep. No, it still happens anyway. Who cares what everybody did? Was James Cameron involved with any of those after two? Uh, I do not think so. Pardon us, everybody. We uh, we have to know these things. Jonathan Mostown. No, he did not. He went on to True Lies and Titanic and then Avatar. But then he did Avatar 2, 3, and 4. Yeah, now he's doing, he's going down his Avatar rabbit hole. Yeah, uh, Avatar 3 is 2025, Avatar 4 is 2029. Some of these things are so far in the future, I don't know if I'll be alive for them. 2029. That's almost like a mythical made-up number. Doesn't that seem weird, yeah. But also, how does he know that there's going to really be a fourth after the third jumps the shark? Because it's going to happen. Well, I mean, the second was The Way of Water. The, I think it had sharks in it. The third will literally be the the shark, the jump landing. <laughs> the jump landing. <laughs> okay. Some of these movie makers. Anyways, um, best man contextualized. Yes. Grandpa introduced. That's also one of our biggest laughs ever. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> Who are you? Yes, we've got we've got the grandpa character introduced, and he did make a comeback in our uh, anniversary episode where we did some origin stuff. Oh yeah, that's true. Because he was telling the boys a story that they wound up kind of falling into and making real. I say we introduce Grandpa. Grandpa is a is a personality, a persona of Peter Falk, yeah, <laughs> or whoever Columbo or that guy is. He's he's our guy who tells stories when we need a guy to do that. Ah, oh, the narrator. Um, we revisit Morcana Hive Mind. Yes, we do. We kind of uh, at this we it's it's a weird one that one because we we expand it and then we also make it much more narrow and sh- and and kind of reduce its its involvement and impact and then immediately write it out i do understand what this uh note was about. i said the description says late elrond for makana hive mind but i couldn't remember his demise but obviously it's when we escaped with craig from fantasology there was a energy overload that blew uh elrond into smithereens <laughs> in in the reboot he actually gets eaten by Koopist. Oh really? That's even better. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, about to. He's about to jump. He's about to escape. Not jump, but uh, like jump ship. He's about to mm-hmm. escape in our in our little uh, Abaddon pod, 
And as soon as he gets there, Koopist ambushes him and bushwhacks him. Well, I'm glad that you know those details better than I do. Oh, it, you wrote it in here. A by Koopist. Okay. I do remember that one in particular because I was like, oh, this is a great opportunity for Koopist to absorb some Elrond. And as we noted right before we started recording, the, the last note for this season is just simply Bane Cosby, which tells me that I didn't think anything else happened in that episode when I was looking at the description. It's the last episode. Something must have happened. But I guess it's just a big showdown with Bane Cosby. Um, yeah, which... in, in that episode, we actually have our Silver Fox character, who is an ally to Koopas, mm. who's, trying to, who's trying to rescue Koopas because Koopas has become a monster and she thinks he can be saved. Lisa so LaFox. She... That's that's right. So she she gathers a group of exceptional individuals. It's like the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but like lame. I mean, that uh, that movie was disappointing. That movie was incredibly (laughs) disappointing. The fight with Bane Cosby was much cooler because he had an ice cream truck with like a gun on top of it. But yeah, he he runs away after being soundly defeated. And then we have a final showdown with. uh, That's exactly how it went down. And then we have a final showdown with the Koopist mutant and uh, the, our Silver Fox's original estimation is vindicated because we do rescue him. And that ends the that arc of that season. Is that how we end it? We save them and they're both vindicated and then they get their news shows back? They get their own news show. Oh, right. They, te- they team up. They team up and they, they get their own news show. And I don't think we I don't remember if we gave it a name. Integrity News Network. I Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I mean, what the, who to, South Park has Tegrity Farms, which makes me I don't want to do anything with integrity in it. <laughs> hmm. But it would be something like that. Yeah, it would, especially because it would be an opportunity for them to thumb their noses at the really, really low integrity scoring news networks that fired both of them. But that is the termination of that season. I sort of want to make a joke where it's like they have a YouTube channel where it says, like, I'm still Koopist or whatever. People who lose their their uh, their channels and then pop up with the I'm still Dante or whatever. Oh, yeah. The uh, the kind of remake channel. We'll try this again. But that also makes it seem like I don't know. I don't want to make it seem like they don't have any uh, weight in the game. I don't know. We'll come back to it. This isn't the planning. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they were supposed to basically end their little arc there the same way that the first Anchorman ended its arc. Right. With the, the, the two favored characters moving on to this much bigger, much more high impact network and then being above their local news station. That was how that was supposed to kind of tie that up. They both get what they deserve. So, yeah, we'll come up with that in an episode where we actually plan things or in the sides. Uh, we move into the next season where Plato. So in the beginning, was Plato a cyborg? He was just like a time traveling philosopher. Yeah, he was he was a cyborg from the very beginning because uh, we were on a bit of a cyberpunk thing. But he didn't have a motivation. He didn't have this flesh versus. Yeah. Story. yeah I think he, he had nothing to do with heaven. No, he was just there to be our Miss Frizzle. He was just a vehicle for the narrative. Right. At this time, we've really redone him and sunk him into the, the uh, as an essential spoke in this narrative wheel. Yeah, which, to have like ties in with way to describe it. Tied in in relationships with like pre existing characters. Um, yeah, just we 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 wrote him into the lore. And the then he wound up plot. he wound up writing the lore. Ah, right. the The B agency plot, I believe, that was the going back in time and dealing with possums possums and oh yeah because the second episode is animated because this this episode yeah yes plato plato is still time traveling and he is still trying to show us stuff but his objective in showing us stuff is to complete the wheel which is both uh, a narrative metaphor as well as an actual macguffin for the season yeah he's using joseph campbell's plot wheel for the uh the monomyth yeah and so in the original the original version of like this season, the first episode was him taking us to that future society, which was all divided into ideologies. Yeah, it was it was super d- tightly divided in ideologies to create basically cultivars of thought. OK, but so um, but in this version, 
in this version we only see like a bird's eye view of that that future society we don't get to do the Chekhov's alley we don't visit it is there possums in it though that's what i'm trying to get to no is that what possums the is? possums or are in the possums? far past so when we go into the b agency is animating a dominant plant species that's now the plant species again is that also possums or is possums just somewhere else Dominant plant species was our, our uh, re retreading of the uh, pre-industry plants, which we've already discussed at length. Right. Okay. The B agency rolls out used to talk to compete with Abaddon Prime. Abaddon Prime had been come up with in the original version, but now it's uh, more realized. Uh, yeah. As, as something uh, of a social network. As Plato is leading us through the different stages, the spokes on the wheel of the monomyth, uh, one of the first important one is to meet a goddess. So in the original version, we had just kind of like gone to heaven and we were in line to meet a goddess. But in this one, we have kind of created Queen Bay as the uh, the avatar and the mouthpiece of the heaven computer on Earth. The heaven computer, the god computer. Which which makes Queen Bay uh, function as a goddess for the purposes of this monomyth. Yeah. Um, and then she introduced, I don't know if she introduces us, but somewhere in that episode, another spoke that we uh, co-opted it a little bit is somewhere on the wheel. I think it's actually technically, we, we rearranged the order of them, but somewhere on the wheel, supernatural aid um, allows the hero to um, rise out of a, a sticky situation. And in our story, supernatural aid is the name of a uh, a juice from concentrate. Yeah, it's it's it, it's a packet of powdered juice mix <laughs> which also helps you rise out of sticky situations and also creates a sticky situation yeah it would go on to create some very severely sticky situations we have a straight detective case she's going after acme yeah and in, in the original version of this episode that the acme killer was a single serial killer who was using looney tunes um trickery to, to murder people but in this version acme is a whole and it's got it's got to stand for something somewhere I, I remember sitting down and figuring out what it stands for but can't remember now it's a, a shadowy cabal of people who are either disappearing or um destroying people yeah i think i think they're they have a higher motive that they're trying to influence events by disappearing the right people at the right time but you'd have to go back and listen to figure out what that is. And so would we. So would we. What we do in the show is Tucker and Todd watch the news and it removes their limits. You said, I think Annabelle steals their pills too. Yeah, they uh, they stopped taking their limiting pills. Did we, was there, I feel like there had to be, if Annabelle stole their pills, that had to be done somewhat eloquently. Was that like the episode before? Like, why would she do that? Well, for a start, Annabelle is a pirate and will steal just about anything that isn't nailed down. But what she actually came for was the supernatural aid. Mm. And and the pills, she just happens to notice and take them. May as well have these two. Yeah, she's already robbing us. So as like a side as like a side thought, she takes those. That's at the end of an episode. We have a bit of like a, a little ominous string there because Tucker and Todd aren't fully cognizant of the significance of those pills. No, everybody else is gone at the time. So it's just us versus her. And she manages to woo Todd so hard that his feet lift off the ground. <laughs> so she takes a supernatural aid. She yoinks the pills. And, and there's actually a point where she she takes a couple and winds up limited watching our favorite cartoon show and eating stroke waffle. So I've forgotten so many of these details. That was one of my favorite moments of hers was she takes the pills and basically becomes us for a night. <laughs> And now that we don't have the pills, the next day we are watching the news and we're actually engaged with it. Yeah, we're little point dexters. Because because we're coming down from our pills, suddenly becoming delimited. We and start then putting we, on Noam Chomsky debates. Yeah, and we have an entire <laughs> arc where we're we basically go full supervillain and we meet Aristotle. Because Aristotle is out for is it revenge technically he's a, he's sabotaging plato yeah uh aristotle is plato's apprentice uh their relationship is terminated aristotle is out there trying to you know prevent plato from doing as much damage as possible keep him out of trouble if possible and uh either convince him to abandon this mad quest for the wheel or sabotage it now 
this is getting into like spin-off planning stuff, but here we have the instance of robbing the boring apes. I remember that they were just like three crypto dudes on a yacht, right? Because of the boring ape yacht club or board ape yacht club, whatever it was called. Yeah. So we were going to break onto their yacht to steal, I think, the wheel, right? We were stealing. They have three NFTs. It was a sort of like oh, we're stealing pieces for the wheel, right? I remember. Yeah. Uh, Plato sent us to go and infiltrate this boat. But now that we are talking about this idea of the the crypto leak on planet being caused by an by experimental a, a ape, on the loose, yeah. ape on the loose, are the apes that are on this yacht in the before the planet breakout, are these were the board boring apes created by experiments on planet or are the apes on planet being studied because they were anomalies that were recovered from earth i i like that second idea better and it is more congruent with the story we've already created yeah. because uh the, the in this in this instance the exposure to like nft radiation caused these guys to degenerate into oh these right i forgot about apes. that okay okay and uh it, it, we don't know their ultimate fate because tucker and todd of course destroy their ship as they, you know, are wont to do. Yeah. Uh, Tucker and Todd escape on a speedboat with two out of the three NFTs. Gollum got the last one. Should we? I don't know. I feel like if this is, I feel like my brain would have already thought of it, but should we have a, uh, like a Raiders of the Lost Ark scene where it's like, look away from the NFTs or look away from the crypto? It, I think, like, I think, melts you into a monkey. I think, yeah. Although Tucker and Todd are probably immune to it. Mm, interesting. Oh, Not that's funny. They they open their eyes to look stuff, at but it, but like it just can't reach. It just can't reach their craniums. So they okay. crank their eyes open. They want to be exposed to it. They're like, "Cool, I want to be an ape," but it doesn't work, <laughs> and they're disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> this is stupid. That sucks. What a jip. Can you say that anymore? Uh, these characters can. We yeah. can't. What a rip off. They're allowed to be ignorant and yeah, that and is ignorant. Dumb. <laughs> And insensitive, which That's they both are. Ignant. But no, they ignorant. they uh they lack the higher cognitive function required for genuine malice. So it is just they're ignorant. That's totally ignorant. We need one of those too. Michael yes, Jackson. Uh, in the aftermath of tipping over their boat, there is no reason to assume that the bored apes didn't go on to get abducted to be studied by the powers of planet. Um, so yes. we can just that we can just dust them off later. And they're the board apes that are responsible for what happens there. But now all this crossover um, with the appearance of Plato or the appearance of Aristotle and some of the uh, the overlapping motives of their uh, activities and behavior, uh, the boys start questioning whether they can actually trust Plato. Yeah, and you know it has to be bad when the boys start to wonder and think about these things. Plato must have been up to some very suspicious stuff. Sending so, them into dangerous places to do weird things that don't turn them into cool apes. This is this is getting annoying. So in order to finally like crack crack their perspectives open and, and, and pull them onto the good side, Aristotle takes them to the time nerves at the B agency within the vortex of Atlantis. Yeah, we, we love playing with time nerves. <laughs> and I do think that the 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 sort of time chamber with the, all these tendril-like timelines that pass through there, through that vortex, should be connected to the time nerve that we later fix. And the whole planting of that tree causes these ones to disappear because they're they're sort of like a... They're almost like a runoff. Since the vortex is closed and all that, they're gone. Yeah, but they are all connected to the same consciousness yeah. of time. Yeah. They are uh, threat... Threat... Phalange... What was the name of it? Threat... Phalanges? I do like phalanges. Was phalange that no phalanges is the friend's word. What is the word they were using in Discovery for Saru's little tentacles that came out the back of his head? Threat ganglia. The oh, the, yeah, the, time, ganglia. the time consciousness has time ganglia. <laughs> yes, they are they are ganglia and they're they are poking through the Ooh, somebody dropped out and in, but I think we're okay. Oh, one of the bots. Um if I trying to, to trying to tell us to hurry this up i guess how rude where is the recording they're both in there okay 
and they both still have the stop recording option. So, yeah. So Aristotle takes Tucker and Todd to the time, the exposed ganglia. I like mm-hmm. that. The exposed ganglia that happened to be in the viewing area in the BA place so that they can actually look at history and see, uh, you know, instances of Plato's past. This brings the boys over onto Aristotle's team and, and starts, you know, solidifying the teams right before the showdown because we got to have a showdown. And for context, I don't know if we actually specifically mentioned it in the uh, the original first episode of running through the timeline, but that that context is that Plato was responsible for talking Bazelbub into spearheading the rebellion against heavenliness. Yes, that was Plato. The, the seeds were already sown in, in the aftermath of the, the whole cataclysm and then the, the reset that happened in ages past. But Plato sets the spark. And so that is what the boys are finally exposed to. They are finally caught up with all of that context. Uh, yeah. And so they've got renewed vigor in their hearts to head for the battle for Aslantis. And of course, it wouldn't be a battle for Aslantis without the guy that Plato tricked showing up. Abaddon's forces show up. The B agency's forces are there. Plato is there. It's a mess. But the non-fungible Triforce has been assembled. Yep. Some, some Plato manages to track down Gollum at his family home where he's <laughs> he's very divorced due to his obsession with crypto. But he's uh, abdu- he's kind of abducting his wife or in the process of doing so when Plato shows up and kind of gets him. And gets the Triforce and get or gets the last piece of the Triforce gets out of there so that he's able to assemble it at the at Aslantis in that Mount Poon, which opens up the portal to the Flesh Realm Apocalypse, which is a giant butthole in the sky. Yeah, it's filled uh, with cancer. <laughs> yeah, it's real. It's real bad. See, Plato is a robot person who is obsessed with not being a robot anymore. So he wants to become organic tissue. And replace uh, all robotics with organic tissue. Yeah, not just himself, but eventually all. Replace all everything with meat. So he's uh, he's struck some kind of nasty bargain or he has some kind of nasty plan to open up our reality to a basically a, a flesh super cancer dimension. It's a region of the outside that's totally overtaken by just constant growth. Which will, yeah, consume and metastasize everyone. And uh, that's bad. <laughs> so we don't let him Allegedly. do that yeah In i mean theory. we never tried it but we just yeah. assume that it's no good and so plato gets basically eaten by it as nobody's ever tried actually tried f- flesh cancer effectively i'm trying to do a communism social yeah i was gonna say it's it's <laughs> failed every time it's ever been tried todd <laughs> nobody's ever done it correctly tucker we have to we have to we have to get rid of a certain human element for it to work. Well, you're in luck. The cancer's going to do exactly that. Yeah, they'll do that. Anyway, uh, he gets eaten by it. Plato does, because the bad guy always gets eaten by the monster that he unleashes. Uh, Aristotle sacrifices himself so that we don't get eaten by it. And then Columbo kind of self terminates to close the portal. Wow. Lots of sacrifice in this one. Yeah. And closing that portal and basically totally changing the events of Mount Poon because we got more and more deviated from the original season. But now we're now we're into the free boys phase with. Yeah, with Columbo missing, he as far as we know is gone. He seemed he seems to have completely winked out of existence, except for the most perceptive of our crew. Is that Jay? Uh, Yeah, our, our detective. Um, but in the beginning, we introduce Fieri and Brimstein. Brimstein. What is the joke? Brimstein, which sounds. I think it's Brimstein. Yeah, it's yeah. supposed to be like Brimstone. Yeah, these are like these Fire are hell lawyers. The legal team for uh, Abaddon. Abaddon. And, and yeah, it's Fieri. Because we wanted to. I think the main the one kind of like note that I wanted to hit for the season when we were coming up with it was to have a courtroom drama. Yep, that was a big one. Uh, so in we this instance, legal we have Fieri and Brimstein serving papers to the BA. Mm. Oh, for defamation? Has that started already? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think uh, they they first start with just serving papers and then they go ignored. And then we have the full on Harry Potter thing where like letters are coming in through every single orifice in the building <laughs> until the all the guys at the BEA are drowning in these these papers. They're like, fine, I've been served. <laughs> uh, but given the the apocalypse, the fleshy apocalypse that the world almost experienced, um, I don't know. So. We have the team for anomalous investigation and neutralization of terrors, which is taint. Yeah, it, Did... this is it, it's sort of an expansion on what Queen Bay was put in place for. In the wake of this, the reset that cha- that uh, uh, would follow with all this rebooting, the God Computer put Queen Bay on Homeworld in order to kind of prevent the incident that required the reset in the first place from ever occurring again. In the wake of all the crap that's happened now, Queen Bay has established taint to assist her in correcting, you know, anomalies and stuff. It's supposed to be a good thing. Yeah, it's supposed to be a good thing. It starts off with great intentions. Yeah, clean up reality, make it safe to live in. What could go wrong? Uh, Is it early on that uh, Ken and Ted are folded into Taint? I think it's when it's introduced. They take jobs with it. Yes, uh, yes, actually. They start this season getting uh, inducted into Taint. Because they have lots of crisscrossing moments with our straight detective as she's looking for Columbo and following his anomalous clues. Right. <clears throat> because they're also kind of tracking the, all the anomalous stuff he's leaving in his wake. So in episode three, Abaddon releases Metaperverse, which is their metaverse. Um, and the B agency are besmirching them. So was the... F- Papers being served in the beginning for something unrelated to defamation because I feel like defamation starts now after the release. Yeah, I think I think those papers were more of a sort of a formality that you're on notice. Mm. You're on. We're watching you because it it was basically supposed to be like a, a a sort of an the aftermath of the big battle between Abaddon and the BA agency over Atlantis because they right. were fighting each other, and I think that was their sort of. Uh, all right, we're the fight's over, but we're still watching you, kind of. Yeah, I remember that kind of like finger eyes thing. Yeah, I remember describing that. Done, done with lawyers now instead of corporate security. Yeah, and then the B agency starts uh, taking the absolute piss out of the meta perverse because it's a massive failure, or because of what's going on. I can't even remember. They, they're they're insisting it's a massive failure. Some of the information that they're talking about is actually true, but it's it's information that uh Abaddon wants kept secret. So but we, the went, we went with we went with two things that were true and then one thing that was patently false but funny. The idea of the meta perverse was that it's like a a honey trap for locking yourself into it was like a uh, what's the word? Consumerist reality? It's just a mall? Yeah, it's Which... it's a mall that goes on forever. It's it's yeah. a it's a capitalistic hypercapitalism hell realm, basically. Which is right on point for Abaddon. And also you have to like jack into like a full on virtual reality reality helmet and everything. You get basically plugged into the matrix. And I think it had a five percent fatality rate and they deemed that acceptable. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I think that that was part of the points that the B agency is bringing up, right? Like they, yes, they, the, they're the not fatality rate. They have some fair points of what they're pointing out the problems are, but they're doing it just for the sake of fucking with them. Yes, and one of the points I think was was completely made up, and it was I forget what it was that they said it di- it does to you. Logging into the metaverse makes you, you know, something. Oh, I'm sure it was stolen from like pop ups and promises that are on things already. I can't remember. Oh, yeah. Oh, we were making fun of the vaccine. It it vaccinates you. Oh. <laughs> Logging into the metaverse gives you the vax. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, they... I like, you know, we don't even specify what it vaccinates you against, just a vaccination. Yeah, it gives you a vaccination. Cool. Those are cool. Those are trendy. The people, the people who super hate them don't care what they're for or no. how effective they are. They, they hate them. Oh, right, because that was meant to... It, was, it wasn't a point for it. It was a point to rile up people who are anti-vax. I remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's got the fatality rate. It had some 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 other issue that was correct, and then it had the, it gives you the vax. Just absolutely <laughs> baseless propaganda out of nowhere. And that's what causes the, the lawsuit papers to start flooding in through all the windows. 
Um, and then okay, so yeah, so Abaddon sues B agency for defamation. Yeah, they both been they they both suffered some losses in the last battle, and now they're about to get into a, a an extended and very expensive legal dispute. So this is where we bring up Alan Stench and Fantasology again, because when when these two tyrants, these two titans of industry, start going to bat with each other, everybody else wins. But in between, Taint start investigating a leak from a fantasy realm where diseased fantasy <laughs> creatures are, are are falling into our world. For some reason, the reason being that somebody who hasn't been mentioned yet is using them for inspiration. I can't even remember. Yeah, somebody somebody is abducting fantasy creatures to use in in her what's basically a propaganda fantasy movie. Yeah, she's she's. Instead of like paying people to do CGI or, or animatronics, she's just going to go into an, a fantasy dimension and start abducting unicorns and fairies and centaurs and I just mean, enslave them to be in her movie. Could could that be a, a sort of a tripwire, a, a dissolve edit into your idea for um, reinventing or reinterpreting Dracula? Is that Dracula was a guy who Obviosa kidnapped from a fantasy realm? And was was like putting him to work as one thing or another, and then he then he get he goes on in the a loose? bid for freedom. Yeah, he goes on the loose and starts doing his own. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. We'll come back to it later. That, that just put that in my mind. That is interesting. That he doesn't want to be here. Yeah, like vampires. That's it. Like he comes from a world where vampires are not what they are here, but the exposure to our atmosphere like kind of demonizes him and gives him a taste for blood or something like that. Oh, so not. So the Witcher and Superman. Yeah. <laughs> he, not only is he not from here, but exposure to this area has has changed him. Mm-hmm. Our yellow sun. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. Yes. Uh, oh, right. That's when uh, that's also when Jordy Puppetson shows up. Man, he's been with us for a little while, hasn't he? When we jump into the big trial. Yeah. Oh, Alan she, she shows up right Jordy now. Puppetson. I didn't. Yeah. Alan Stench. Would be nobody without his Jordy Puppetson. So, but but uh, Alan Stench at this point is just kind of observing. We we get to see him observing matters from the sidelines. He's watching his two main rivals duke it out with each other and just kind of eating popcorn. He's letting them cook, as the kids say these days. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Basilbub is almost totally uninterested in this court stuff. He's actually still. His main objective is still just to get into heaven, and he actually successfully gets in this time. But I feel was I feel like there was like a something. I feel like we gave him a big prompt. Wasn't there something that especially pissed him off to like push him into banavating? I'm, or did he I'm sure there is. Technology? I think he might have uh, had an encounter with Queen Bay. There's something. I don't, in I there. don't recall what the uh, the catalyst was. He has a, a big motivation moment though. Yes, he uh, he develops a, a. Oh, I remember. It was during the court. They were showing his memories in court, and he sees uh, uh, a trinket or a uh, a keepsake. In oh, right. The, in the in the in the memory, which uh, triggers him to want to go get it. That's right. He gets he gets inspired by an image in a memory because in in our fancy courts, they can actually just show your memories to the court. So you don't get away with lying. Being able to look directly at people's memories will come in handy later. But yes, yeah. Basil Bob gets inspired. There's a brand new technology developed that allows it. It's basically a VPN. Oh, yeah. We, that had a name, too. Yeah. Vir virtual something network. Yeah. And it uh, it absolutely killed a human test subject. And Basil Bob's like, yeah, works. <laughs> That's uh, what oh, these tests are for. You know, a virtual ghost network. I call it a VGN. Yeah, and so Basilov gets into it, becomes non-corporeal, manages to sneak into heaven as a soul, as a, like a human soul, which is supposed to be going in through those gates. Sets off some alarms, goes on a little bit of an adventure, wind, what, runs around in heaven for a little while, and he actually has an encounter with the ghost computer. Yeah, he's Jason Bourne running around in the system. Yeah, he's just sneaking around <laughs> in heaven. Uh, he causes a few shenanigans. I think he's up there for uh, an episode or two, but he's successfully gotten in. And then Ken and Ted find the elevators. Yeah. So while he's going up, they're going down. Exactly. Not on each other. Not today, anyway. Down into hell. 
Yeah, it turns out that the access to hell is almost everywhere. The the whole pervasive idea that it's much easier to get into hell than it is into heaven is abundantly correct here. Yeah. There's service entrances everywhere. Yeah, and you can just accidentally stumble into them and take the elevator straight down into the pits of Hades. <laughs> Where they discover some lawyers. Yeah, because you know hell is full of lawyers. Hell is so full of lawyers that they don't need all of them. And so they gather in like, I, I want to be careful what words I use. Roach motels. That's kind of what they are. But they're they're Yeah, they're gathering in these little camps in their their tattered suit jackets and stuff with the, the stick and bundle over their arms. <laughs> they've become a, a essential character. <laughs> yeah, they've become essential characters from American folklore. <laughs> Train because, and such. because hell is so full of lawyers that most of them don't have a job. That is funny. I didn't even think about it. That they're all like depression era bums. <laughs> yeah. They're all like boiling so, shoe stew. And shoe like uh, fingerless knitted gloves. And uh, they got patches over their elbows and knees. And they're oh, just like yeah. sitting, sitting, gathered around fires that are like burning legal documents. The stovepipe hat with the top that's like a flat, that's flappy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and when they see something they like, steam and stuff comes out of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ted start to bond with these guys. Oh, yeah, they do. They do. But first, they're 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 doing the agent thing. They're infiltrating and and they're gathering intelligence. But they get spotted by these lawyers, and then there's a smash cut, and they're now they're chained up. They're abducted. But also, Ken and Ted are just so genuine and and nice that they start bonding with their captors anyway. Definitely. So they're sharing jokes and snacks and stuff, even while tied up. Inadvertently lulling them into a uh, sense of, what's that word? Security? Yeah, a false sense of security. It is a very false sense of security because other agents are looking for Ken and Ted and they find their way down the elevator and they promptly rescue Ken and Ted by uh, rampaging through this, this, this lawyer camp. And in so doing, they establish a little listening post in hell. Oh, yeah forward camp alpha but yeah ken and ted are it's the whole the whole point was to demonstrate ken and ted are of debatable competence and then a few agents that are like super gung-ho and effective show up and immediately clean up and create a forward base super effective it's like that animation style you hear hammers and and saw there's just a dust cloud and then poof there's a base yeah it's like any rts game it's just it only takes a couple of minutes for like one guy to build an entire fortress Oh, it's like oh, I even saw that recently where they added in the context of like bases are 3D printed. And so the animation is a gigantic 3D printer. Oh, I yeah, like I do like the 3D printed bases and stuff and units mm. and everything. All right. But that that ends that particular moment in hell. Now we've got Queen Bay. She convenes the motherboard uh, straight. De oh, yeah. Straight detective has been deputized by Ken and Ted, who may still technically be local cops, even while they're working for Taint. It's hard to say. These lines are nebulous. Yeah, they're they're as sheriff as the plot needs them to be, but they deputize straight detective, so she becomes straight deputy, and she is still following Columbo, who is moving around in a, a no-body sense, possessing one item or after another and causing all kinds of shenanigans. And we should say, starting to fade with each jump. Yeah, he his, uh, his grasp on on remaining cohesive is getting weaker and weaker. He's in danger of just fading because he can't get into a body and he can't occupy items for very long. So his, his days are numbered. In fact, it's his, his minutes are numbered, which leads us into the final episode for that season, which entails fantasology taking over Abaddon or at least certainly trying to, they definitely, they, uh, they, they launch a raid directly on Abaddon, their headquarters and their station. Obviosa is with them too, but they 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 raid the labs, which is how the the WAP gets out. Yeah, they inadvertently just their uh, the chaos that they cause in there. Somebody knocks over something or other, a button gets pushed. Uh... Yeah, they basically show up like they're from a Clockwork Orange and start smashing everything indiscriminately. Just oh, that's funny. We they will be singing singing in the rain then. Oh yeah, and wearing and those the the huge. The, the jock straps and everything. They'll oh, just the whole... <laughs> paint the eyelashes under one eye. Yeah. 
did the whole thing and they just show up and start bashing everything apart with croquet sticks and Which cricket bats and just yeah the WAP is released the wet ass pacific our gigantic sea elemental beast yep um starts flooding the world yeah starting starting in hometown right next to the the uh abaddon building which of course means that all taint agents including those in hell are being immediately recalled to contain this situation so they bring ken and ted with them the ones that are called from hell at least yes ken ken and ted and the agents from hell show up just in time to see what just what is going on basil bub is on his way back from heaven at this point he's had an encounter with the god computer who just kind of made fun of him for generally being insecure which he is ha 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 she's a machine she has no feelings <clears throat> but he has shame yeah so he he bails on heaven and he's he uh he grabs a fresh body that doesn't have a soul in it yet because it turns out souls get stuck into bodies in heaven no problem makes sense and he rides a fresh body down because he's technically an incorporeal disembodied soul right now. He rides a body down, but he doesn't actually enter the body. He rides it down like a surfboard because we thought that was cooler. Yeah. He rides it down to Earth. So and then he abandons the body and then he immediately goes back into his body so that he can confront the WAP because he knows who it is. He knows a secret about the WAP, which we I think came up with right at this last moment in this episode. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we did. We said, what if this WAP, the sea creature, was actually some sort of cursed form of uh, some other individual? And so we came up with the idea that in, indeed the WAP was Dawn, Basil Bub's daughter. Yep, stripped of her power and forcibly contained inside the form of a monster because she's she can't quite be destroyed. Uh, because in her own form, she was a different kind of monster to uh, somebody else. Yeah, she was really just mucking up the works. Um, so that is a, a plot point that's developed to pick up on in the season after this one. And the very last little development that we had in this episode is that body, which uh, Basil Bub abandoned, um, is happens to be in the most convenient place for Columbo's spirit to merge with it. I think that was our final decision, yeah? Yeah, at long last, Columbo, just, just at the moment of his expiration, which he gets to do at least with his friend and and uh, the person he's been mentoring straight yeah. deputy just as his last breath is about to be taken this body shows up and he manages to get stuck into it and uh it, it kind of it kind of changes shape to suit him into a new character do we have to, do we make it work out so perfectly that the body, body literally collides with his spirit like like <laughs> comes oh. to the ceiling oh yeah the spirit because he was trapped inside of a left shoe, if you recall. Right. Yeah. He, his just as his spirit is evacuating the shoe, floating up, the body comes crashing down through the ceiling and <laughs> and collides with the spirit as it's leaping. Slams him into the ground. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, I like that. Comes in through the skylight or something. Smash. And then there he is. He's okay. And then the uh, taint now has a perimeter around the WAP. Uh, Basil Bub is kind of desperately begging them not to, you know, don't hurt her kind of thing. Yeah. They they blast her with some kind of device that's intended to either forcibly stabilize everything or banish her or something. It works. It sends her back into the outside. But that's when that's when the this form is kind of broken. Yeah. She's returned to her humanoid self. But that's where we pick up next season. Does it I can't does anybody see her in her uh nephilim form i think that basil bub maybe should i think i i think i think he's flying or floating right okay. next to the portal that she gets stuck into and i think only people who are staring right down the barrel of the portal get to see what's on the other side and and who yeah so anybody on the ground wouldn't be able to see because i'm gonna assume uh for something as big as the wap was the portal is gonna be you know huge 10 floors up there too yeah and it's going to shrink like the end of the Looney Tunes. It's another butthole. Always a, uh, what's the proper term for that? A sphincter. Yes, it is a sphincter. And it as it's closing up, that's when you get to see her true form. Dawn. Basilbub sees it. I don't know if anybody else does. But he, he knows what's happening. And he thinks he's lost her again. So thus begins the uh, the depressive state for Basilbub. He's been rejected by his mom. 
and now he's lost his daughter. So yeah, depressive state. It's the uh, narcos. Yeah. With, um, I can't even remember his name. Staring sadly. You know the meme. Yep. And that was when we got to do our our uh, big filling out the past sequence with Dawn and her family. But now that Dawn is back, she starts becoming active again. She starts gathering her witch coven back together, and she starts looking for ways to reacquire her power. Yeah, we which... move we move into our most recent season that we just finished. Yeah. Entailing the exploits of Dawn, like, yeah, reconvening with her uh, witch's coven, some of them helpful, some of them less so, in an attempt yep. to gather the monkey paws that she's left scattered around the globe. Yep. As part of the process for making Dawn into the WAP, her power was extracted and placed into these artifacts gathered gathered from a, <laughs> a very, very rare breed of six armed primate, <laughs> <laughs> which is missing five of its hands now. Yeah, I can't remember. I feel like we made a joke about finding that monkey, right? Yeah, uh, it, we we decided that Milo was influenced by the God Computer to bring back this extinct race of monkey for for science, for science purposes, for historical correction, only to have it used to imprison Don, which makes Better. Milo feel guilty about what happened to Don. Everybody, everybody except for the God Computer, who is primarily responsible, feels guilty about what happened to Don. But she, yeah, she, I guess that lasts for a couple thousand years. She becomes the the water beast and is trapped for who knows how long. Probably just a couple of hundred. Okay. She she was running amok as a trickster goddess for a while before that. So she right. managed to find her way into the pantheons of many ancient human civilizations. She was Loki, spoiler alert. But then she went too far. Yep, yeah, as, as trickster gods always do. She was she was about to cause the Ragnarok. But that's and all in the past. And so in this season, it's modern Dawn who's been been extracted from the water form, blown back into the outside. And she finds her way from the outside back to home planet or uh, home world. Yep. But she's she's severely depowered and she's well, she's not familiar with this modern day. So we've got we've got the depowered God saga here where she has to reacquire herself and, and get used to living in this modern world. And at the same time, while she is figuring herself out and going on that journey of self-discovery, we have Taint obtaining the blood serum that used to belong to Phantasology slash Puppetson. Yes. Uh, in in the wake of the court case that massively depowered Abaddon and the BEA, Phantasology started uh, taking massive gains. One of the things that they did to do that was create what is basically an MLM onboarding process that involved injecting people with a blood serum harvested from one of Don's monkey paws. It mind-controlled people into zombies, into MLM huns. And I believe in the in the process of transferring a shipment of these um, serums, serum, sera, sere? <laughs> I don't actually know how I, to do yeah, that. I guess, I guess we'll just call them vials. These vials. Vials um, of serum. One of them is, is knocked loose or shaken loose or falls loose, whatever, and Taint is able to uh, grab it and study it and discover that there's some sort of weird connection between the technology and the science of the serum and and the what the DNA or the the physical properties of Tucker and Todd. Yeah. And so they kidnap Tucker and Todd. Yeah, they they actually launch a full-on raid on on our resurrected Columbo now dad who has a curiosity shop. They they launch a raid on the curiosity shop and they they abduct us. And so dad comes and breaks us out. And then in the process, he gets stuck. Yep. And at, at the cost of himself. And so we have to go and break him out. Yeah. Meanwhile, it's, uh, sort of a sort of a cycle. Meanwhile, Dawn is following her uh, path of rediscovering herself. She reunites with one of her oldest, most ancient friends from back in the outside when she was a child. Um, one of the characters that we introduced early on, our witch doctor Jackie, is now... Yeah, it turns a out she's actually an, a really, really, really old witch. She does not look her age, not at all. And oh. she's an old friend of Dawn's. Something just occurred to me, which maybe has been has holding on to the monkey paw, which she at first um, withholds from Dawn. Is that been giving her the gift of long life? Will Will giving it back kind of like bring it into her? Or is that unnecessary? Uh. That is that is interesting, and I do think that 
its absence should have some kind of an effect on her. But I also think that she was already kind of magical and witchy. Yeah. We found her in the outside. Oh, maybe get rid of it actually has a positive effect on her. It's been having like a one ring. Like maybe it's actually been restricting and holding her down. Oh, interesting. It's been making her a little bit chaotic and weird. Yeah. Without it, she's actually able to uh, complete projects and, and indulge in her hobbies. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Anyway, um, Don, Don reunites with her, but is rebuffed. And so Don has to reunite with somebody else. But she doesn't know it's a reunion. Yeah, she doesn't know it's a reunion. But since since she can't get the monkey paw from Jackie, she has a bit of a vision to help her guide help guide her to the next objective, which actually is in hell. So that's where she goes. She makes her way to hell while Tucker and Todd break dad out of taint custody. Um, U- using a uh, monkey with a music box, I think. Oh, no, he's got a hurdy gurdy. Yeah, of course. Mon- uh, magic monkey with a hurdy gurdy. Uh, also, it, he- politics in hell have taken a bit of a nosedive. Basil Bubb in his depressive state has been uh, shit canned from Abaddon. And Obvious has taken over as head of that board and thus as the devil. Basilbub has been sent to records with Fieri. But in order to become the official devil and truly take on all the responsibilities and powers, she must complete the Satan Clause. Or actually, the Satan Clause, um, invoking the (laughs) Satan Clause, requires her to complete some trials. Yeah, she had to go go through some trials. And she wound up fighting with Brimstein. And of course, what, uh, what was it? Jeff from accounting. Poor oh, guy. yes. Accordion Jeff. <laughs> Should we call him Accordion Jim just so we can make the according to Jim joke? Oh, yeah. I like that. Accordion Jim. Accordion Jim. This is how this is how Jim from accounting became Accordion Jim. But uh, uh, Valenica Obviosa successfully completes the trials and is crowned queen of hell. She's now the devil and CEO of Abaddon. Which Basil really there's, there's is, no higher station. Yeah, there is no higher station in hell. And now that uh, Basilbub has been, he hasn't been totally fired. He has been transferred to records with Fieri. And of course, everybody hates Fieri. He won't shut up about Flavortown. <laughs> the, the mythical land of Flavortown. Nobody's seen it, but he is always talking about it. Yeah, he's always threatening to send people there. <laughs> Don encounters one of these roving bands of uh, homeless lawyers. And they, she asks, she, cause she she asks for directions to, uh, the location of the monkey paw. Like she, she describes a series of buildings with, with arch, you know, she describes the architecture and everything cause she knows where the paw is kind of, but they say that's in the restricted sector and you'd have to actually go and get permission and escort to get in there. Nobody it's tightly controlled. There. Nobody goes there, which of course means that Don has to go to the Abaddon building in hell. And yes, the Abaddon building in hell is congruent with the one that's in hometown. It's it's actually just like really long. Does she go? Oh, because he's in record. He's in Abaddon records. Right, right, right. Yeah. So she goes over there. She gets directed to records because that's where all the information about, you know, the ancient closed off section of hell that nobody goes into happens to be. She encounters these guys, asks about the information that she's looking for. They say we don't really keep that anymore and you can't go there without a guide. So she's like, all right, then you're taking me because you know, that's how she is. Thanks for volunteering with, after a little bit of brown be- brow beating and arm twisting, Basil Bob agrees to go with her and Fieri goes and hangs out with the, the gang of lawyers and takes them to Flavortown. Cause what else is there to do for him? Yeah, nothing, nothing but Flavortown jokes. And then we, we meet Mike Ehrmantraut who is running the toll booth. That happens to be separating the the basically the one road that leads into this forbidden section of hell. He's got a sandwich. Yeah, he's on his he's on his break, so he makes them wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, this whole process eventually, Don realizes that the the person who's been leading her through the restricted section of hell is actually her father, whom whom she holds no small amount of resentment towards because she thinks he's abandoned her as yeah. a child. She doesn't realize that it was it was an error. It was all just badly timed. I forget. Does she come to see that? Yes, she gets she gets told it by Jackie, and then she gets to see it directly from the time nerve, thanks to Mario. Right. Okay. 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 Because everybody everybody is aware that if she doesn't know the truth, then she is not free. She's not truly complete. 
Right. So she needs to know the truth so that she can start making decisions based on all the information. During this time, Obviosa starts colluding with puppets. And... Yes, Obviosa becomes aware of the monkey paws herself. And because she has the supernatural aid, which she drinks, she's now able to absorb their power, which everybody else thought could not be done by anybody but Dawn. So the race is on. We've got two uh, two magical supervillains. I guess Dawn is kind of like a super antihero on the hunt for these monkey paws and supreme power. And in the background, Aviosa had her fantasology zombies kind of forming because of the serum and puppets and had his own version of the serum going on. So they have competing mutant zombies, um, which are now converging on the curiosity shop. Yeah. Jordy Puppetson backstabs Alan Stench and gives control of fantasology to Aviosa, basically. So she takes over that monkey paw and thus she takes over everything that was mind controlled by that monkey paw. Alan Stanch is in a garage somewhere playing with Tonka trucks, pretending he's an inventor. And thus the zombie apocalypse in hometown begins. And there are they are, in fact, converging on the curiosity shop where I believe. Yeah, Tucker Todd and dad are, are holed up. Yeah, they're in a bunker. There is a monkey paw in the curiosity shop. And I do believe that the zombies get their hands on it. And Obviosa gets it, which allows her to get, like level up her skills and start flexing magic yeah she's got superpowers now at that same time since she's been exposed to the time nerve dawn makes up with jackie yep yep dawn goes to jackie for help because she uh she knows that obvious has got two and that she's got two and whoever gets the last one is basically going to come out on top of this so jackie has it she thinks she goes to jackie for help jackie and dawn reconcile while jackie admits that in fact she she uh threw it down a dimensional toilet and uh, doesn't know where it went because that's the safest way to keep it. So they 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 team up with Milo. Milo shows Don the truth before they go any further forward. And then they start using basically Don's power to triangulate the location of the last monkey paw just in time for Obviosa to get there. And then the battle. And then the battle. I mean... I can't even remember at this point. Has Dawn recovered any of her powers? She has two monkey paws. She has so two monkey paws. So yeah, it, they're they're evenly matched. Although Obviosa is a lot more like lightning bolts and fireballs and destructive magic. While Dawn is a trickster goddess and she likes illusions and, and like deception, deception and, and mind control stuff. So while they are evenly powered, they're not equally suited to fighting. No, Obviosa is more caustic and yeah. and Don is more avoidant. And as Don starts rattling her, Obviosa starts uh to become less uh less stable. restrained. Just, yeah. So she yeah, so as as Obviosa becomes angrier, she taps into more and more of the power. But she's still just a human at the end of the day. So eventually she starts coming unwound by it. She becomes unstable splintering apart even she can't contain all of the power within her yeah and eventually she blows up she blows up but everybody kind of figures out that in fact she's still powerful enough that she has to be actually extracted surgically from the timeline itself in order to kind of prevent her from just coming back yeah i think the specific uh order of operations was her physical form was destroyed but time being that it's conscious has a memory of and so the the memory in time has to be removed. And of course, they try to find her in time, but she they can't quite get to a spot where they where she's vulnerable, which means they have to go and talk to Basilbub. Basilbub alone knows the moment in time where she is most vulnerable. Right. Why so, is that? Can do did we say? Because because he got to look through her memories. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. During a job interview. And he saw where all the bitterness and and resentment and general toxic right, turfness wound. began yeah. yeah the wound and that's exactly where they need to go and only basil bub knows where it is so don and basil bub reconcile he's he's been kind of stuck in a limbo dimension where don put him so he's freed from there with with basil bub's help help they find that moment in time where obviosa is most vulnerable and they pluck her right out of the timeline like she's a little tadpole in a stream a little worm they put her in a jar, but unfortunately, the spot where they plucked her out of time starts to kind of bleed. It's not closing up. It's wounded. Long story short, they decide that uh, Don, Don has a spark of inspiration. 
she she operates based entirely on like intuition and impulse she she takes a seed that Basilbub's been safekeeping all the way since back in her childhood mm-hmm. and she plants it in that wound and it grows into a super tree that fills in the wound heals time stabilizes reality and uh fixes everything yeah and gives how did you know that would work concept of- <laughs> yeah. i had no I- idea <laughs> I just believed it. Yeah, I just... Uh. <laughs> and it, yes, it, its roots start crossing through space and time and, and knitting things together. It, I it's, saw a, uh, TikTok, a TikTok about grafting tomato plants. Oh, nice. Something like that. Yeah, that's how you create a pomato. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it uh, there we've got now the Eternitry or Infinitry, whichever you like. It's it heals that wound. It stabilizes things. It prevents certain kinds of time travel, probably while enabling different kinds. Oh, and, a tomato uh, is a thing. Yeah, it is. It's a tomato plant grafted to a potato plant because the tomato plant is all above ground and the potato plant is all roots. Interesting. It's weird. Does it taste good? Probably just tastes the same. Interesting. Sorry. Um. Yes, we've grafted this tree onto the nerves of time itself. So now we have a cool time tree. And it gives birth to a whole bunch of stuff that we start discussing in season one of episode six, which you can hear now. Season one of episode six, episode one episode, of season six, season six <laughs> which I was going to say you can hear now, but we have it. We're going to do that this week. Yeah, that's uh, that's coming soon. OK, so in the next episode, depending where you are in time, I mean, how are you listening to this? Literally, the next episode is going to be us starting season six. So I guess this is the teaser for that. This is the story so far. Come find out what happens next. Oh, yeah. And uh, Don and Basilbub go on vacation and leave the show. Yeah. For so now. big, big cast shakeup. Cast shakeup. New characters introduced, new themes introduced, whole new ideas. Um, this has been your teaser. I hope you've been teased. I hope you've been teased. I hope you've been tantalized. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I think, do you have anything else that we need to take onto this? I think we've got it all. If you've listened to all 100 episodes preceding this one, thank you so much for being here, and uh, we hope you stick around for the next 100. I love you. I love you. Bye. 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 <laughs>